If you have your Bible, you can turn with me, whether you're in the room or at home, to Daniel chapter 1. Be in verse 7 all the way down to verse 21 uh, this morning as we work our way through the book of Daniel over the next few weeks. And by few weeks, I mean a lot of weeks. Um, because there's a lot of greatness going on in the book of Daniel. And so hopefully you were with us last week and got to pick into that. If you didn't, that's all right. That's the beauty of online is you can go back and, uh, and check it out and get caught up. Um, the best thing I would tell you to do if, if you miss any type of, of, of Sunday morning or sermon is to go back and read. God's word is way better than my exposition of it. And so go back and read it. And then uh, if, if you desire... Uh, you can you know a little extra you can come back to the sermon uh, it's good to be together today uh, in in the house and at home as we look at the book of daniel we're talking about the security of deep roots <clears throat> i've been seeing daniel in a different light whether it's quarantine doing this to me or the holy spirit using quarantine however it might be um, but it but it's different this season of life is is different in fact i started thinking as i read this chapter about hurricanes uh, we, we've gotten some great rain recently from a small hurricane that hit um, the south and, uh, of Texas. And only, I think, in Texas or, or Florida do you say a small hurricane. Those normally don't go together. If you're watching up north, there may not be such a thing for you. But for us, there's a small hurricane. Um, if it's a one, everybody's like, oh, that's all right. We've got to go inside for a half hour, but we get to come out when the eye passes over. You know, we're a little bit off in our thinking but but a few years ago I, I experienced as an adult a hurricane here in houston hurricane ike and and i'd seen something that i hadn't remembered seeing you see growing up in in panama city and my parents were in florida pine trees scattered everywhere right here there are a lot of pine trees as well but we also have oaks and other kinds of trees and in alabama when a hurricane would come through the pine trees would snap that you would, you would see just the top fall off this tree. It would be standing straight up. And then you had, I mean, you were always in business between August and November if you knew how to cut down a tree because you couldn't leave half a tree standing up. Well, when Ike happened here in Houston, I saw something completely different. These oak trees that are huge, they're, they're this big around. Y'all know what I'm saying? And after the storm, when you go outside, what did y'all see? It's like they just laid over. Like the root ball completely exposed. There's not a lot of snapping with an oak tree. It's a, it's a hard wood, right? And so they just kind of laid over. The ground would get so saturated. I'm not sure it was wind. I, I wonder if it was just the water so saturating the ground that these huge trees simply, when they had had enough, could no longer withstand and, and just simply laid down. The difference between an oak tree and a pine tree isn't just that the pine tree is a softer wood and an oak tree is a harder wood. The pine tree has a taproot. I don't know if you've ever had tried to pull out. You don't pull out a pine tree. You grind the hole down as far as you can reach in the ground and cover it up with dirt and you pretend you're finished. But that taproot is still there. And oak trees, they don't have the same structure. So there's some security in deep roots isn't there my daughter ashley she heads off to college uh in in two weeks less than two weeks now and i was reading this passage and i was thinking about deep roots i thought lord just like in my life i have experienced hundreds of hurricanes she's about to walk into the next phase of life where i am not there to provide her shelter 
where I am not there to ensure there's that spiritual covering that she can run to, or her mom, we're not there. As she goes, she's going to experience some long-lasting, life-changing, oversaturated hurricanes physically, spiritually, and relationally. And I'm telling you, as a dad, I'm, I'm over the moon for my daughter. But I'm praying that she's a pine tree, that the enemy will have to break her in half and send her home because she will never lay down. But I'll tell you, it's a different feeling when we're looking out onto others than when we're looking at ourselves. And so I want to take this morning to you, with you and look at the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 7 through 21, we get an example of what a life... Remember, Daniel is most likely 14 to 17. He is a teenager off on his own. And, and his parents didn't have 18, didn't have 19 years, didn't have 26 years. Some of you are like, didn't have 48 years, whatever it is. 14 years to, to steward him. His, his relationship with God was now on his own. And yet we see in his life the very thing, what it looks like to have deep roots in the soil of the Almighty. And I don't think that's a lesson just for my daughter. I think it's a lesson for us as well. Look at verse 7 with me. I didn't ask uh, the Matildos to read that because the, the words are all kinds of awesome but verse 7 says this, And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Now, we've already been introduced to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He gave them names. And, and he called Daniel Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. You see, if you were with us last week, you realize part of the tactic of the enemy is to separate us from gathering together around those who would encourage us and edify us to, towards the Lord. Then, in that, in that separation, he indoctrinates us, right? The goal is to, to mix in our feet with his land, to bring them over, to teach them, to educate them, to make them think like a Babylonian. And then the enemy then seduces, right? He provides the tempting food. Well, this is like the capstone. Because what, what Nebuchadnezzar does here is he then says, you're going to have a new name. This is like the pinnacle of the indoctrination of the enemy. When you and I abandon who we are and give ourselves completely over to the enemy, to our preference, to our design on life instead of God's design, we start renaming stuff. This isn't new. Daniel means God has judged. Nebuchadnezzar was a brilliant man, had wise advisors. He knew what their names meant. He didn't want Daniel's mind to be on God even in his name. So what did he do? Belteshazzar, which means protect the king. Your life is about my life. And I want you to remember that every time you hear your name. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach means I am fearful of a God. I don't want you to think about God's grace. I want you to think about being afraid of a God. And I, Nebuchadnezzar, would say in the go-between. 
Mishael, who is what God is. God is unfathomable. God is incredible. Meshach, I am despised and contemptible before God. Everything is from my hand. Azariah, Yahweh has helped me. Abednego, servant of Nebo, the Babylonian God. You see, what's happening here is Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I want you to have a new focus. You who have been separated, indoctrinated, seduced, I want you to know, I want your life to be about something else. I want you to understand that I am here to replant you from whatever traditions you've had, from whatever life you've had, from whatever relationship with God you've had, whatever your parents have told you, wipe it all away. Throw it all out the window because I want to replant you in my field. And see, this idea of replanting is not new. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the first, he wasn't the last. If you remember, Peter was rebuked by Paul. Why? Because he was ministering to the Gentiles, and when the Jews came in, he started treating them differently as if he was supposed to convert people to Christianity and Judaism. And what does Paul do saying? Stop. He says, stop replanting. Stop replanting. That's not right. You couldn't hold the law by yourself. Jesus died for that. Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts. He saw the power of the Holy Spirit and he tried to buy it. He pulled out his wallet and he said, can you replant a little bit of Jesus in me? I don't need it all. I just want what you got. How much is it going to cost? And the disciples rebuked him. You can't replant the gospel in another man's field and expect the tree of life to grow. The book of Corinthians, it's about the church. The whole thing, Paul is saying, you are putting roots of what belongs to God in foreign soil. Church, we have to understand that when you and I look over the fence and someone welcomes us to a sweet life, a good life, a better life, the, the idea, the reality is, is that you and I are not looking at a soil that produces life but one that produces death. So when we realize that, what do we do? Well, verse eight, the Bible says this, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. You see, first of all, Daniel made a commitment. Daniel resolved himself not to defile his relationship with God. As a teenager, Daniel resolved. The word resolved means to plant. Daniel made the decision that no matter what comes my way, no matter what temptations come my way, no matter how tell me, you smooth you tell me the road's going to get, no matter how many likes I'm going to get on my social media, no matter how many times my video is going to go viral, no matter how many times you tempt me with money, the, whatever it is, I am going to be planted in the grace and the word in my relationship with God, and I will not compromise. Church, in that moment, I can almost hear Peter when Jesus has said, if you follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and everybody leaves. And Jesus says, are you going too? And Peter says, to whom would we go? 
You have the words to eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, I am planted in you. And no matter how tempting it looks or no matter how hard it is, I am planted in you. You see, you and I have to be committed. And commitment shows, right? Commitment for a moment is not commitment. Amen? Commitment is for life. When you, my wife and I, when we put on this ring 22 years ago, 22 years ago, I made a commitment. She could have turned into the wicked wick of the West, and I made a commitment. She didn't. Why? Because a commitment is not about my mood. It's about being planted. That's the kind of commitment God is calling us to and Daniel's making. But it's not just a commitment to take the name of the Lord, to be planted and to say, Lord, no matter what, I'll always come back to you. As if you and I are a boomerang, the Lord throws away and one day it comes back to him and life is okay. We are we are planted, we have to be resolved not to defile ourselves. The word defile that Daniel uses means to pollute. Now check that, that's different. Because when I'm, when I'm moving a bush around, right? During COVID, like everybody else, we thought yard work had to be done, right? And so we pulled bushes out, we put bushes in. What did we do? When we replanted, we took them from their container and we put them in our yard. And so we get that. You and I might say commitment to not being replanted means I will not relocate. But you have to understand that Daniel's commitment wasn't just simply I won't relocate, I won't abandon God. It was I will not pollute my relationship with God. In other words, I'm not going to let you sprinkle stuff in. He wasn't protecting his relationship in this situation. He wasn't willing to let someone else transplant their beliefs, their faith, their false teachings, and sow them into the soil of his life. How could he do that if he didn't know the word? How, how could he be resolved not to pollute his relationship with God if he was not engaging in God in his relationship here, if he didn't know his word, if he wasn't leaning to him in prayer. You see, you and I are surrounded by opportunities saying, go check this out, go take a look at this. In fact, I, I think we hear all the time opportunities like, I dare you, come, come try this out, you'll love it. It's a new way of thinking. All of them try to woo us, not necessarily away from God, but to rename God by polluting him with things that sound good. I, I, I want to let you know something. It's been interesting what the last few months have done. Have you ever felt like there are 400 different articles on the same point of COVID in the last four months and all of them say something differently? Don't you wish that you knew the one person who was honest and knew what was going on and you knew theirs was the right article to read? I'm telling you, I wish. We do all the research that we can do, but it's amazing how things are polluting the research. What does it cause? It causes confusion. It causes concern. I mean, I think about that. 
whether it's my daughter going to college, my son going to school, or us coming to church. Like, Lord, I want to be the best steward I can be, but I would sure love to know what an unpolluted view was. Because right now, if it looks clean and well presented, it looks believable. And who am I? I'm just a preacher. My only job before being a youth minister was waiting tables and lifeguarding. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we find ourselves in our regular life being polluted because we can't control that. Let me tell you, in your relationship with God, you can be committed to Him and to Him alone, and you can be faithful not to pollute God's Word, not to pollute your relationship with Him based on your background beliefs or others. Everything you need is right here. Right? Okay, I'm going to make you say something with me. You ready for this? I just want you to echo this. I'll say it with you. God is not interested in my opinion. You ready? One, two, three. God is not interested in my opinion. Yeah, the, those of you who didn't say it, you're wrong. All right? Because you need God's word. You need his opinion. Why? Because when you and I put our opinion into God's word, what are we doing? We're polluting it. Here's, you said, but, but pastor, I'm a gun-toting, flag-carrying believer. I don't care. You may say, but, but pastor, I'm for social justice and caring for the poor. I don't, you don't have to, to be separate. You have to let him be sovereign. And if, if you love something more than him, or if it's Jesus and, then you've polluted the gospel. And you need to repent. Daniel said, I will not pollute my relationship with God. Man, I'm on a time limit. We're online, so check me. Verse 9. This is what the Bible says. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. Now check this out. Daniel has promised, has professed, Lord, I will be committed to you and I will commit, be committed not even to defile myself, my relationship with you. That's all he does and the rest of this is the Lord working and working through Daniel. That's it. If you're wondering, God, life is so difficult right now, all he's asking you to be is faithful to him and he'll carry you the rest of the way. So what does God do here? After Daniel makes the commitment to God. The Lord gave Daniel favor. The Lord gave Daniel compassion with the chief of the eunuchs. You see how God worked? Daniel didn't earn favor. Daniel didn't put his time in to get favor. The Lord gave favor to a non-believer, to one who was not faithful to God, so that the Lord could show Daniel the joy of his commitment. He did not set Daniel free. He did not set Daniel free. But he gave him favor in his captivity. If you've not ever thought about that in light of eternity, the Lord has, has put you and I to be lights in a dark world. He and I, he won't set us free from the world of darkness until he calls us home. Why? Because we are here to be a witness of his greatness and his glory. That's when he sets us free. 
So if you're like, Lord, I can't wait for all this to end, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Because until sin is eradicated by the almighty judgment of God, it's here to stay. But that doesn't mean that suffering can't have joy. The Bible says God gave favor and compassion to Daniel through the chief. This is huge, right? We know that favor means I, I like this kid. I, 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 you know what? I kind of want to help him out. The word compassion means something totally different. Here's what it means, or favor, excuse me. What it means is this. It, it means the word bowels. Next, right? Like God gave him compassionate bowels towards Daniel. We don't have great English for this one. That's the problem. What it means is somewhere deep inside, this chief became loyal to this young man. Isn't that crazy? In this short period of time, God, because Daniel was committed, because he would not pollute his relationship, he gave a chief in Nebuchadnezzar's army favor, a deep loyalty in his heart. Who could do that? Who could make a king's chief be favorable to a teenager in such a way? Don't, don't let sin pervert or promote that. It means that he found favor and loyalty to this young man. In other words, he wanted to help him win. If the Lord can help a teenager in captivity in a foreign land find favor among a godless people, what can God do in your life? What will he do when you and I are committed and, and willing not to have anything sprinkled into our relationships, not even our favorite news station? What would it mean? It means the Lord's in control. It means no matter where you, if you're watching at the hospital right now, the Lord is in control. If you're wrestling with what comes next, the Lord is in control. Let his favor rain down on you. His favor did not mean release of captivity. It meant an opportunity to witness. Some of you are like, wait a second, what's, what kind of favor is that? It's the best. Look what God does, verse 10. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, man, although I favor you, listen, I fear my Lord the king who assigns your food and your drink. For why should he see that you're in worse condition than you who are your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. You see, here's the catch. The Lord didn't give the wicked men who have polluted their life with the things of this world the answer to the problem. If you're looking for someone in this country to save the curtain of darkness that is pushing over it by going back to political means you have missed it listen the people who make our laws have to have an unpolluted faith with the Lord and our church members have to have an unpolluted faith in God for revival to be the fruit of the favor this is huge. 
Because man cannot figure out a way to make it work no matter how deep in his soul he would like to. Just like Abraham when he went to the king of Sodom and, and he said, listen, I am not going to take anything from you because I want the Lord to get the victory in my life. I don't want you to have a field day and say, well, I made Abraham rich. Just like Gideon, the Lord made him whittle down a great army to a nothing group of men against thousands, countless men. Why did he do that? So that he would get the glory. If you want to see healing in our nation, you and I must be committed. God brought healing to the, to the people of God in Babylon God brought favor even to wicked people he allowed his grace to rain down on them why because his men were committed if you and I want to see this country turn then you and I need to say how is my relationship with God if you and I aren't in love wooed by the word then we need to do whatever we can to say God I don't even know where to start but today I start because the Lord will not let the solution to spiritual wickedness come through the lips of wicked people because he will get the glory. Listen to verse 11 through 14. It says this, Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables and eat and water to drink and let our appearance be and the appearance of your youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and he tested them for 10 days. I want you to pause right here. I want you to show what happened. The Lord provides the way through Daniel, but he provides something, the outcome that Daniel, no dietitian could ever say. If you're saying, look at this, this is why we need to eat only vegetables. The outcome of this is way more than a dietary change. But before we get to the favor of God, church, this is the biggest message our, our country needs from us right now. Daniel asked the one in charge to allow him to do something. When he told him he was unsure he could do it, Daniel said to him, let our appearance be observed by you and you deal with your servants according to what you see. Listen, Daniel stated his position with kindness and respect. You can't be committed to God and committed not to pollute his word and then promote a life of God or deal with people in a way that lacks the characteristics of the one you are drawing near to. Now, since we're dismissing you at the end, you're not allowed to leave yet. But you need to ask the Lord to look at your heart. Are you, are you letting the pollution of the world burst out in the way that you show the world the way of repentance? What does Romans say? The kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. You and I need to follow Daniel's life. It was committed and resolved, not just for a moment, but for the whole lifetime. 
that we must be willing not to compromise the truth and not to compromise the character of God. See, the world desires that you and I would treat God as a doorman. That may have been the faith that you grew up with, the faith that you know or the faith that you followed in your life. Have you ever treated God like a doorman? Like, Lord, I trust you in this moment. He gets you through this moment. You had no place to stay. You were struggling. Life was difficult. And so God, like a doorman, opens the door and welcomes you in. You dry off, shake off the rain, the difficulties of life. You kindly thank the doorman, God Almighty, and go on your merry way until you need the doorman again. Have you ever been tempted to do that? Have you, have you ever been tempted not to be resolved to worship the one you have been treating as a doorman? Scripture's filled with the reality of commitment in our life. Do all that you do for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it in a way that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Restore people with gentleness and respect. Church, we have to be committed not to defile ourselves every day, all the time, in every situation. No matter how much provocation this sinful world pushes our way. Do you think you had it hard? His, I want you to know, when Nebuchadnezzar came in, they killed everybody. They, they only left the poorest who weren't worth killing behind. And they took this small remnant into captivity. You and I have not experienced this kind of persecution. No one in this country has seen it. In the midst of all of this, Daniel says, I will not compromise my faith. I will let the character of God show at all times, and I will not take on the qualities of this world. So what does God do? Verse 15. It says, and at the ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in the flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for those for youth, God gave learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding of dreams. At the end of time, when the king committed, commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them. And among all of them, no one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding in which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus's reign. Church, I want you to catch this. The beauty of you and I being committed to our relationship with God and not willing to pollute our life with the things of this world is a life in the middle of the river of God's will for you. It, it, it's better than you could imagine. You might say, well, pastor, I could imagine Daniel being released from captivity. Daniel was in a better place than being free. Check that out. Daniel, Daniel was, was more cared for where he was because he was committed to the relationship of God. Because that 
was his home. This has got to be the banner cry of the church. I can't tell you who's right and who's wrong in the world of diseases. I can't tell you when I look at the people on the screen who's working for my good and who's not. But I can tell you this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have to remain committed to the Almighty. Church, this morning, as we have a time of response, how has your relationship with God been in the last few months? Has it been non-existent? He hasn't abandoned you. His address hasn't changed. There's a reason we desire to gather. It's because we need to be reminded of the Almighty so that we can live in His favor instead of chasing the faults and empty promises of the world. So if you've fallen short of the glory of God, welcome to the party. Fall on your knees as we have a time of invitation and repent. In Revelations, he says, return to your first love. It's not too late to be committed, to be planted. But if you've never had a relationship with the Lord, or if you've known about him and felt like you always kind of knew him, but you've never found yourself on your knees, if he's been way more like a doorman than he has been like the Almighty, then it's his kindness that's led you here today. The Lord knows while you were in sin, Christ died for you. It was his plan. So that you and I could be redeemed, that we can have life, forgiveness from our sin today, tomorrow, and into eternity. What's his only ask? Commit. Commit. Believe in me. Believe that I am able. And believe that I have for you. Follow me. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this morning that we can gather together in your, in your house and at home. Lord, I understand. Fatigue sets in. Diets have changed. <laughs> Our locations of gathering have been struggling. Father God, thank you for the reminder in your word today. If a teenager can be committed not to pollute his life and live that way until he's an old man, never escaping captivity. Lord, then surely you've made a way for me. Lord, we live in a world that tempts us to be devoted at a moment, but then confirms our pollution as normal the rest of the time. Lord, forgive us. Let us return to you so that we might live in your favor. In Jesus' name, amen.